here, there cannot be Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free man, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, and patience, forbearing one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body. And be thankful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I remember when I was graduating from high school, one of the speakers shared a quote with us that I distinctly remember. Now, I'd heard it several times before, but they shared with us the saying, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Now, I just couldn't understand why people thought that was such a profound statement. Now, I understood the mechanics of it. I mean, I understood that technically, yes, Every day becomes the first day of what remains of your life. And so as each day passes, each day is the first day of the rest of your life. I understood the mechanics of it. I just didn't see why it was meaningful. Looking back, I think the problem I had was that I was continually focused on the future and all the endings of life that I couldn't embrace the importance of each new day, each new beginning. I was somebody who is ready to graduate from high school. When I got to college, I took as many classes as possible so I could get out as soon as I could. I went on to physical therapy school, and my entire focus was on graduation. When I, get, when I got out of uh, physical therapy school, all I could think of was getting through the licensing procedures and being done with the job search. My entire focus was on the endings of life. And because of that, I wasn't making the most of each day. Don't put off living till someday because someday never comes. It's easy to think, well, when I graduate, then I'll have more time to give in helping others. Or when I get out of school and get a job, then I'll have more that I can give back and make a difference. Don't put off living until someday because it doesn't happen. You'll find that you miss opportunities to find joy and meaning in life. When you are constantly focused on waiting for everything to be over, you'll discover that all too quickly it is. If you're waiting for everything to be done, it will be. Don't wish your life away. Find ways each and every day to find joy and meaning. This morning, I want to continue on in our sermon series, Someday is not a day of the week. 
We've been talking about ways that we put off things until someday, only to discover that it never arrives. It doesn't happen. Now, this doesn't just happen with graduation. We do this all the time. We can say, I can't wait for the school year to be out so we can enjoy summer. I can't wait for the week to be over so we can enjoy the weekend. It's kind of like we're on this perpetual vacation drive and we're wishing it all away just to get to the destination. If we're not careful, that's how our our life will go. Because there are more days in the school year than in summer. There are more days in the week than in the weekend. And if we're not careful, we will miss out on life. Today's scripture passage comes from the New Testament book of Colossians. And Paul and Timothy wrote this. And it's a description of what life in Christ is all about. It starts off saying that there is no difference between any of us. We are all in Christ who is all that we need. And then it goes on to remind us who we are. We are the chosen ones loved by God. And because of that, we are to live a certain way every day. It tells us to put on compassion and patience and kindness. And it uses these words to put on almost as if This is the clothing you're putting on. So each and every day when you get dressed, put on compassion, put on kindness. It's a way to live each and every day with Christ. If we're not careful, if we only focus on the future, we'll miss out on wonderful opportunities here and now. And we were meant to make a difference I have just three things to discuss to talk about ways that we can make the most of each day. First is to remember the lessons of your past, but live in the present. Now, when we look at this passage of scripture, uh, we can see a way that makes it easier for us to remember the good and positive lessons from our past and yet still remain grounded in the present. In this section of scripture that was read this morning, it's all about how to live this life in Christ. And at the very end, the last statement, it says, and be thankful. It almost comes off like an afterthought, but that's far from the case because practicing gratitude, giving thanks is a foundational element of the life that God wants for us. We were meant to practice gratitude And it's a way to prevent us from being enslaved in our past. All of us have good and wonderful memories in our past, and we all have painful things that make it difficult to move on. Living in Christ doesn't mean you deny grief or loss. It just means that you can make a difference here and now. If you never embrace the gift of a new day, never see the opportunities or possibilities, you probably won't uh, take as much advantage at helping others. You'll miss those opportunities. It wasn't too long ago that Reverend Keith King shared a story with me about Jeffrey Deskovic. Now, in 1989, Jeffrey Deskovic was 16 years old, and one of his high school classmates... 
15-year-old Angela Correa was brutally assaulted and murdered. And all too quickly, the police took notice of Jeffrey. He was kind of an awkward youth, and he attended each of the three wakes that were held for Angela, and he cried and was inconsolable at all three of them. And so they brought him in for questioning. They put him through several polygraph tests. They told him that he had failed them, even though they kept giving him more polygraph tests. They never offered him food or legal counsel. They kept him hours on end, and he was a scared young man. And finally, they told him, if you'll just confess, we'll let you go home. You can imagine how that turned out. At his trial, his defense attorney did not mount an argument about the fact that Jeffrey's DNA didn't match the DNA they found at the crime scene. And the jury knew that he had confessed. It didn't matter that there was no physical evidence against him or that he had recanted his confession. They just knew that he had confessed Now, this was several years ago, and there's been a lot of research done since then about false confessions, but then they just couldn't imagine why anybody would confess to something they didn't do, and so they found him guilty and sent him to prison. He would be there several years. He was fighting to get somebody to represent him. He was fighting for appeals. He was fighting for any kind of chance, and he had years of denials and rejections, But finally, the Innocence Project took up his case in January of 2006. They began pushing for DNA testing, and what they discovered was the real identity of who murdered this young woman. And he was already in prison for a different murder. In November of 2006, Jeffrey Deskovich was set free from prison, and later on he was officially exonerated of the crime, 17 years after it had occurred. More than half his life had been taken from him. Can you imagine the kind of injustice and pain he felt? He had been robbed of so much of his life, so many experiences. When he got out, He was so grateful for freedom. Now, he wrestled with emotions of depression and anger and bitterness, but he resolved that he would not let them get the best of him. He didn't want to become imprisoned in his past. He had been in prison far too long. And so he committed his life to help others. And it was because of gratitude, gratitude for freedom, gratitude to the people in the Innocence Project who had worked on his behalf. Now, eventually, he was awarded a $20 million settlement for wrongful imprisonment. He could have gone anywhere with that. He could have done anything. He could have done nothing for the rest of his life and been set. But he didn't want his life to be a perpetual vacation He understood the importance of each and every day. And so he made a commitment to make the most of each day. And he did that in two ways. First, he committed to go back to school. His ultimate goal was to go on to law school because he saw that as the best way to help others who were also wrongfully imprisoned. 
But he didn't want to just wait until graduation to start helping people. And so he started a foundation, the Jeffrey Deskovich Foundation for Justice. They were working on legislation for justice reform and helping people to prove their innocence. And since its foundation, it has set seven people free from prison and exonerated them. All during school, all the time he was in law school, working hard to that ultimate goal, he was committing so much of his time to helping on these cases. Of course it was difficult, but he was driven to get the most out of every day. It was important to him. And it was gratitude that gave him a way forward. Gratitude, if we are intentional about gratitude, is something that can change our lives. If we are intentional about gratitude, it can help us with our outlook on how we treat one another. Gratitude will help us make the most of each day. Second, it's important to keep an eye on the future but continue to live in the present. Now, many of you who are graduating are probably going to go on to college or other specialty programs, and I hope all of us continue to grow in our faith, continue to challenge ourselves and expand our minds. It's important to look to the future, to make plans, to dream dreams, but we shouldn't forget the present. Remember the ones who are important to you and make time to nurture those relationships. Now, some of you may have heard the name Alex Kunda. He's been in the news quite a lot lately. He is graduating from Brunswick High School in Brunswick, Georgia. He's a typical young man, although he's accomplished something very special. When Alex was just four years old, his best friend and older sister, Miranda, passed away. She was just six years old. She had been suffering from a debilitating disease, autoimmune hepatitis. And yet, if there was something about Miranda besides the fact of how much she loved her little brother, Alex, she loved school. She never missed a day. In fact, her first grade year, when there were times that she did not feel well because of the treatments, she never missed a day right up until the day that she passed away. At the end of the school year, the principal wanted to honor Miranda, and he had an award for her for perfect attendance. And it was four-year-old Alex who climbed the steps to the stage and walked across and accepted the certificate on his sister's behalf. Then he walked across to the other side, and he met his father, and he told his father, I want to get the perfect attendance award for my sister. Well, he wasn't even in school yet, and his dad thought, you know, it's it's quite a bit of time before he enters. This will probably go by the wayside. But when kindergarten came, he was committed. He remembered his pledge, and so each and every day of kindergarten, he was at school. The same thing happened in first grade. He was always there, and at the end of the school year, he climbed the steps to the stage, and he accepted for himself an award for perfect attendance. And the same thing happened in second grade and third grade. Now, his parents weren't encouraging him. In fact, it was quite the opposite. 
By fourth grade, they were really concerned about how much pressure he was putting on himself. And so they decided to bribe him with Disney World. And they told him if they could pull him out of school on a Friday, they would take him to Disney World that weekend. And he refused. In a recent interview and looking back at that, he said, I remember I had made one promise to my sister and I'd never get a chance to make another one. And so I wanted to keep it. And so from kindergarten all through school, through this moment, his, the last few days of his senior year, he's had perfect attendance. All because he remembered the love that he had for his sister. Now, I don't know if you remember the spring, end-of-the-year awards assemblies at school growing up. I do. Uh, Occasionally, you know, we would all get awards. But I always remember there would be two or three kids each year get the perfect attendance award. And for whatever reason, I kind of honed in on that award. I mean, it seemed for me kind of like low-hanging fruit. Um, All you had to do was just show up. And I did that most of the time anyway. And so every awards assembly, I imagine myself walking across the stage that very next year and getting my own certificate and award. And so each fall, I started the year thinking about the certificate that I was going to get. And I started off with great excitement. And that lasted for about a month or so. And allergies would kick in. And I lost all my resolve until the spring awards assembly. And I saw the kids who got the award, and I determined once again that I would get it the next year. I never got perfect attendance in any years of school. And I think the problem for me was I was focused on the end. I was focused on walking across the stage. That's what I wanted, that certificate. I wasn't seeing the importance of each new day. For Alex, Alex's great achievement wasn't in never missing a day of school. His greatest achievement was being intentional about remembering the love for his sister and how much she loved school so he could honor her. This morning, we will celebrate the sacrament, the sacred moment of Holy Communion. It's a time where we are reminded how much Jesus loves us how important we are to Jesus. We gather together at the altar rail, the table, and it's not just us who are gathered. We are in communion. We are gathered together with our loved ones across time and space. And we're gathered together with all the children of God because we are reminded that Christ loves all. The bread and the juice are tangible reminders that Christ gave his life for us, for all, as a living example of God's love for humanity. And so we are reminded of Christ's love for us and Christ's love for everyone. Shouldn't we, as people of, of God, put on compassion, put on patience and kindness Shouldn't we resolve each and every day to bear with one another, to give each other the benefit of the doubt, and if, when somebody offends us, 
to be ready to forgive them. Shouldn't we, as the people who want to live in Christ, put on love every day so that we can live in harmony with one another? Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Remember who is important to you. Remember who is important to God. And third, don't put off doing good. I think one of the reasons that we put off doing good or we don't incorporate more acts of goodness in our lives is because of fear. Now, fear takes on many forms. Um, We are afraid of looking foolish. We're afraid of failure. We're worried that we won't have enough time or resources to make a difference. And so we don't do anything. We put it off till someday. And yet each and every day is a gift to us. It's a gift to us because tomorrow's not a given. We have this day to make a difference. It's important we don't put off the things that we can do now. We realize the good that we're called to do here and now. Hans and Sophie Scholl were a brother and sister living in Germany in the days that Hitler and the Nazis came into power. Now, they were raised by, in a wonderful family. They had great parents who brought them up with a deep faith in Jesus Christ as well as strong convictions of their own. Their father was an outspoken critic of Hitler. He was imprisoned on three different occasions. But Hans and Sophie were younger, and they saw some of the positive things that were happening in Germany after World War I, and so they were excited, and they eagerly joined into the Hitler youth. But it wasn't very long before they could see beyond the rhetoric. They saw the ways that their Jewish friends were being denied opportunities. And as the situation progressed, they saw the persecution. And so they got out of the Hitler youth and continued on with their schooling. Hans was older than Sophie. He went to college and then to med school, and Sophie followed, and she went to college At one point in World War II, Hans was sent to the Russian front to serve as a medic. And while he was there, he saw a completely different scene as to what he had been told back home. He saw that they were losing that front. He saw the death camps. He saw the Holocaust. He saw the intentional destruction of Jewish people. And so when he returned back to re-enter into med school, he gathered together a group of his closest friends that he trusted, and they began to write essays against the government, essays that told the truth about what was happening. And they did these under the name of the White Rose Society. They would write an essay and put it, uh, they would print it in a pamphlet, and they would distribute the pamphlets all over Germany They would take phone books and pick out people by random and mail these pamphlets to them. And they would put them at different places around college campuses. One of the campuses they placed these pamphlets was the one that Sophie was attending. 
One day in class, she reached under her desk and she felt this pamphlet. She took it out and she became very nervous because it was against the law to even know about any kind of speech spoken or written that was against the government. You had to immediately report it. And she really wrestled with what to do. And in the end, she decided to remain quiet. About a week or so later, she was visiting her brother Hans at his apartment. And she noticed there was a text open. And in the text, there were words underlined. And they matched exactly the words that she had read in the pamphlet. And she realized that her brother had written that essay. Hans explained to her what he and his friends were trying to do, and she asked to join them. And so they continued writing these essays, encouraging the German people to remember their faith, to remember their values. They encouraged the German people to rise up with nonviolent resistance. And then they told the truth about what was happening on the Russian front and in the death camps, all the, all the lives that were being lost. They would print six different pamphlets. On the sixth pamphlet, they took it to the university that Sophie attended, and they placed several different stacks all around campus. And then there came a moment that Sophie allowed several of the pamphlets to fall over the balcony onto the hundreds of students who were just getting out of class below. But a janitor saw her and Hans with the pamphlets. He reported them immediately to the police, and that very day they were arrested. They were brought in along with some of their friends, and they were put under Uh, terrible conditions, interrogated for hours, and there was a quick trial, and they were declared guilty of treason and sentenced to death. Hans and Sophie were allowed one last visit with their parents, and in those few moments they had, they tried to make the most of them, and they tried to comfort their parents. They tried to tell their mother and father of their deep faith in Christ and that someday they would all be reunited again. Just four days after they distributed that last pamphlet, they were executed. Their deaths were a terrible tragedy, but their lives are remembered to this day. The members of the White Rose Society, their names are used as street names and building names all over Germany. And schoolchildren are taught what the White Rose Society did and why uh, they wrote what they wrote and how they are the ideal of what it means to live as a German citizen. Their legacy lives on. Now, they didn't want to die. They still were working toward their future. They were in med school. They were in college. They had dreams. They wanted to graduate. They wanted to get a job, find someone, settle down, have a family. They wanted to live. But they knew who they were in Christ. They knew their identity as children of God. And it was that identity as children of God that They couldn't remain silent when other children of God were being persecuted and murdered. 
And so they made the most of each and every day they had until the very end. Now, thankfully, most of us will never face the kind of fear that they had to face. But we will have to face fear of of embarrassment, fear of what people think about us, fear of do we have enough to share with somebody else? But God did not give us a spirit of fear. God's spirit speaks to our own and reminds us that we are children of God. And children of God are called to make the most of each and every day, to find joy and meaning for ourselves and for others. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayers. Amen.